Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. Join us now as Pastor Keith Moore shares today's message. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles. If you've got a hard copy or you've got a digital copy on your iPad or your smartphone, turn to the uh, book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs chapter 3. The book of Proverbs chapter 3. This Christmas, I'm going to ask you to trust God. And I'm praying that if you don't trust God, that this Christmas you'll learn to. You'll learn to. And so pray with me. And we're going to jump into God's Word. Heavenly Father, I pray now that in light of the joyous news we've heard, that you have come. You did not leave us to ourselves, but you invaded earth and made a way for us to know you. I pray that you would open our eyes, that we may see wonderful things from your Word. I pray that you would open our minds, that we may understand the Scriptures. And Lord, I pray that you would unlock that part of us that most directly relates to you, our heart, our spirit, uh, that uh, we may be willing, grant us grace to be willing to respond to you in obedience. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. The best way to learn to trust God, I think, at Christmas time is to go to arguably the most famous two verses in all of the Old Testament. Uh, they're some of the best known verses in the entire Bible. Uh, people who uh, do not even believe there is a God in existence around the world know of these two verses. And so um, I want you to take a look at verses 5 and 6 of Proverbs chapter 3 as we begin this journey across this month of focusing on trusting God and what that means at Christmas time. The Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Think about Him in all your ways, and He will guide you on the right paths. Now, there are three verbs in this passage that I want you to circle in your Bibles. There's the word trust, there's the word rely, and there's the word think. Trust, rely, and think. And in the next couple of minutes, we're going to unpack these just just a moment. Let's think about the word trust. What does it mean to trust God? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Well, the word trust here in verse 5 is a Hebrew word that means literally to lie helpless face down. That's what it means. It's the picture of someone uh, yielding themselves their entire well-being, giving up all control of uh, their life, uh, lying down before someone who has authority over them in hopes that they will care for them. It is, it is the, the picture of, of casting oneself down, face down in front of another, entrusting them with your life. It pictures a servant. Uh, it's used sometimes in the Bible to speak of a servant who's waiting for the master's command in readiness to obey. Uh, it, it is used at times in ancient literature to describe a defeated soldier yielding himself to a conquering General, It's a Hebrew term, again, that pictures one throwing themselves down face first onto something or someone with absolute confidence. Uh, How many of you have ever seen videos of the guys that fly in the wingsuits, raise your... I mean, they just kind of walk off the cliff. Do you ever... Anybody... We were starting a new ministry team for... Anybody... We're looking for a leader to go first. Um, 
But that is the, that is the picture. That is the emotional picture of this uh, of this word. It is it is having absolute confidence in a, in that wingsuit and just falling off the face of a mountain, trusting your entire existence to something or someone else. Uh, this this is the word that is used for us, Phil, when it describes trusting God, trusting the Lord with all of our heart. It's if the uh, it's if the Lord says. Trust me, jump, that we just jump with reckless abandon in absolute trust in the God of the Bible for our well-being. We, we are placing the hope for our existence in this life and the life to come in the hands of God. Now, but some of you might be saying in your mind right now, but pastor, I don't, I don't trust God. At least not in the way that you're describing. I mean, I think God's okay. I mean, I kind of respect God, but trust God. I mean, there's too much uncertainty. And I kind of feel like God may have let me down at times. So, so help me with that. I don't trust God. Well, you know, I understand. I understand those feelings. Many of us, most of us, at least sometime in our life, have difficulty trusting God. We may believe in God. We may acknowledge God. Trusting God? I understand the difficulty there. Trusting with reckless abandon? Well, why? Okay, here's why. You ready? I want you to follow me here. If you're having, anybody, if you're having difficulty trusting the Lord Jesus, it is because you do not love Him. As a matter of fact, we don't have... we we. We don't trust anybody we don't love. We don't. If you don't love someone, you don't trust them. You must love them to trust them. And so the if you don't trust God, if you don't trust the Lord Jesus Christ, it's because you don't love Him. And so why don't you love Him? Well, if we don't love the Lord Jesus, it is because we do not know Him. That's just the way it works. If you don't love Jesus, you don't know Him. And then somebody, wait a minute, wait a minute, Pastor. Some of you saying, wait a minute, Keith. I, I do so know Him. I attended Sunday school as a child. I was baptized when I was nine years old after vacation Bible school. I've read about Jesus all my life. I know Him. Well, I'm going to push back on you a little bit. You may know about Him, you may know a lot about Him. It's easy to know a lot about Him, yet not know Him personally. And if you know Him personally, you will love Him. Here's why. Let me see your eyes. Here's why. Because Jesus is the most lovable being in existence. If you know Him, you're going to love Him. You can't help it. You can't help it. He is the most loving and lovable being in existence. And so if I don't love Jesus or you don't love Jesus, it's probably because we don't know Jesus and we've been deceiving ourselves. So, so I'm encouraging you here on the very first Sunday of the Christmas season to examine yourself to see if you are actually in the faith or if it's just something you know about. 
Uh, this would not be a time for you to say, well, I think I'm okay with God, or I hope I'm okay with Jesus. Listen, listen, this, this is a powerful indicator of your spiritual condition. So let me ask the question, are you the least bit interested in knowing Jesus? I mean, do you, do you, think, do you think about this at all? Are you concerned about this at all? Because this is a... If you're not the least bit interested in knowing Jesus and pleasing Jesus and following Jesus and focusing on the purposes of Jesus in this world, it's probably because you don't know Him. You are, not a, you, you are in trouble. You are outside the faith. You are still dead in your trespasses and sins. You're still an outsider, and God does not want you to be an outsider. Uh, do you, or do you spend, is your default setting just to spend time thinking about yourself and your own pleasure and your own goals? I mean, do you not love Jesus? If not, it is highly likely that you're still far from God and you're in trouble. Because if you know Jesus, you will love Jesus. And if you love Jesus, you will trust Jesus. He's not only the most lovable being in existence, He is the most trustworthy in existence. So why don't you know Jesus? Why wouldn't I know Jesus? Well, here's why. If I don't know Jesus, it is because I am not spending any time with Him at all. You see, there... How many of you would say that your spouse that you're with here today, that it was love at first sight? Don't raise your hand because I'm about to debunk that. There, there is no such thing as love at first sight. Not really. Now there's infatuation at first sight and there's interest at first sight and there's tingles at first sight and there's oh my gosh at first sight. But there's not love at first sight. No, love comes over a period of time as someone is known better and better. Love awakens and, and deepens and grows. So are you spending your days with Jesus? Are you arranging to spend any time with Jesus at all? I mean, I mean, you know, we've studied how to do this. Daily time alone with Jesus in prayer and reflection on His Word, the Bible, or going through your day in an intentional, ongoing attitude of, of prayer and conversation and openness to Him, uh, worshiping Him each week with your faith family and experiencing His presence each week as you gather with your life group to study the Scriptures and pray together and encourage one another. Because when we gather together like this and when you gather together with your small group, your, your life group, Jesus says He will show up. So how does He do that? I don't know exactly, but He does. Uh, he says it this way. Take a look at the screen, Matthew eighteen twenty. He says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. Spend time with Jesus. Now, let me try to illustrate this another way. Um, has, imagine with me, or maybe this has really happened to you. Has, has a, have you ever been in a setting where you live or where you work or where you play, where a stranger or someone that you really didn't know very well at all approached you and asked you, hey, will, will, you, will you do something for me? Well, the first question out of your mouth was probably, well, that depends. What is it that you wish for me to do? That's a reasonable question, wouldn't you think? Yeah, yeah, sure it is. Well, if the stranger said, um, well, it doesn't really matter, just, just trust me. 
would you find it difficult to trust them? Sure, of course, of course you would. Sure you would, because you do not know them nor love them at this point. You're a stranger. But now, if, if Allison, who's back here, my wife, Allison of 41 years, came to me and she asked, Keith, will you do something for me? Now, knowing me, my answer still might be, well, what is it? <laughs> you know, I'm still a selfish man in need of a Savior, so um, I still might say, well, what is it? But, but if she said, well, it doesn't matter, just trust me, I would. I would. I would trust her. I, I would not hesitate to say yes. Why? Why? It's because I know her so well and I love her so much, I trust her completely. I trust my wife, Allison, completely. Why? I know that she loves me and that she always has my best interests at heart. She always does. Why? She's done so for 42 years. From the time we were dating, for 42 years. I'd say yes because I know her and I love her and therefore I trust her. Now, to know Jesus is to love Him and to love Jesus is to trust Him. If you trust the Lord with all your heart, it is because you love Him. And if you love the Lord Jesus, it is because you know Him. Not just about Him, you know Him. And if you know the Lord Jesus, it is because you spend time with Him. So, so this Christmas, as I challenge you to learn to trust the Lord with all your heart, heart, the greatest thing you could do for yourself and everyone around you in your world at Christmas, trust the Lord with all your heart. And also there's a second thing. Take a look at the second part of verse five. Do not rely on your own understanding. Now the New International Translation says it this way, lean not on your own understanding. Uh, the Good News Translation says, never rely on on what you think you know. The message translation says, don't try to figure out everything on your own. The New Living Translation says, do not depend on your own understanding. God is saying here to you and me, rely not, do not rely on, do not uh, trust in, lean not on your own understanding. He's saying to you and me that we are not to ultimately rely on, to lean on, to trust in as the final authority in our lives, our own ability to reason and understand on what we think we know. Now, once again, you might be thinking, just as I thought, just as I thought, uh, only a brain-dead, non-thinking people could ever buy this Christianity stuff. I mean, is Solomon really saying here, that I'm to be without understanding, that I'm to be without intellect, that I'm to be without reasoning. Some of you outsiders, some of you who are not yet followers of Jesus, who've been skeptical about the things of Christ, and, and frankly, because maybe you've known some of us Christians who don't think, and we don't reason. You'd say, see, I just thought, there's just, just, it's, a, it's an anti-intellectual faith. Well, let me clear up that understanding. That is not what the Scripture is saying here. That is not what God 
is saying here. Of course God's not saying this. I want to make it very clear. God wants us to understand and grow in understanding. He wants us to use our brains. He gave us brains. He wants us to think. He wants us to reason. He wants us to ponder. He wants us to wrestle with the big ideas of, of, his, of this world, this truth uh, in the Scriptures and the issues in this world. Uh, he wants us to grow in our ability to think and reason and understand. He gave us, the, for example, the book of Proverbs that we've been walking through if you'll go back to the first chapter, you'll see that He gave us the book of Proverbs for the very purpose of increasing our understanding and our reasoning and our thinking and our wisdom. He, he simply is saying here that we are not to make our own reasoning the final authority in our lives. We're not to make our we're not to trust ultimately in our own understanding as if we are the final say-so, as if we are the ones who have total knowledge. I mean, He warns us. Look at verse 7, just a few, couple of verses later. He warns us in chapter 3, verse 7, Don't consider yourself to be wise. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Now, here's the reason He says that in Proverbs fourteen twelve. Take a look at the screen. Because there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. God says we are to think. God says we are to use our brains. He says we're to use the knowledge that He's provided through our education and our life experiences and our wise advisors that He's placed in our lives. We are to analyze the circumstances as best we can. And we are to, yet we are to always defer to His Word. We're always to defer to his, the will and the ways that He describes in the Scriptures as the ultimate authority. So, so this Christmas, I'm praying and I'm urging and I'm begging you to trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not ultimately depend on your own understanding in the matters of life. But instead, look at the first part of verse 6. Instead, think about Him in all your ways. Think about Him in all your ways. Now, uh, several different English translations say this differently. Here's, it says, first of all, in the, the authorized version, 1611 version, in all thy ways acknowledge Him. In the English Standard Version, it says, in all your ways acknowledge Him. In the Good News Bible, it says, remember the Lord in everything you do. In the Living Bible, it says, in everything you do, put God first. In the Message Translation, it says, listen for God's voice in everything you do. In the New Living Translation, it says, seek His will in all you do. So he's saying, think. We've talked about trust, do not rely. Think, acknowledge, acknowledge Him. He's saying, in all your ways. Now remember, when the Scriptures speak of our ways, is speaking of our life. Our life's in all aspects of living in all your ways, in all your life, in every realm of life, in all your ways, in everything you do, in all aspects of your life, in all arenas of our existence, we're to think about God, we're to acknowledge Him, we're to remember Him, we're to put His ways first, we're to listen to His voice, we're to seek Him, and this means that we seek Him and that we obey Him in all our ways. We, we understand what He says and we act on it. We bring our lives into alignment with the wisdom and the ways of God, even if it 
is contradictory to our best reasoning. We trust Him. We trust Him. So here's the test. Here's the test. How can I tell if I'm trusting God? That's, that's a legit question, don't you think? So jot this down. Here's the test. How can I tell if I am trusting God? What does it look like to acknowledge Him in all my ways? How can I tell if I'm relying on, if I'm leaning on, if I'm trusting in my own understanding and thinking, or if I am trusting in God? Well, it, you can ask yourself one question, and here it is. When your best thinking conflicts with the teaching of the Lord God in the Bible on any issue, who do you go with? It's pretty easy to find out if you're trusting God right now. In any, in any, in any, uh, in your thinking, when any realm of your life, in any area of your life, spiritually, physically, uh, physical matters, financial matters, relational matters, ethical uh, matters, in any any realm of your life, when your thinking conflicts with the teaching and the instruction of God as found in the Bible, who do you go with? How you doing with that? It's pretty easy to tell if we're trusting God or if we're trusting in ourselves. To acknowledge Him means that we acknowledge that He knows all and He knows best. He knows everything and He knows best. I, I can't tell you how frequently people come to me for counsel and, and they will say, now I know what God says but I just turn off. It's just toast. It's just they're, they're gone. They're... Now, I know I'm supposed to, but are you saying that in some area? You're having trouble in your marriage. Spouse is not getting along with you, and, but there's some really nice person at work and they're telling you how wonderful you are, and you're really not. But they're telling you, you know, if you're all that wonderful, you wouldn't be listening to them in the first place. And they're not all that wonderful either. And uh, but you're saying, well, but boy, I've got these feelings for them. And then I got, you know, God. I know God wants me to be faithful to my spouse, but. But busted. Busted. I know I'm supposed to be generous, and it's more blessed to give than receive, but who are you going with? Who are you going with? We 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 trust that God knows all and that He knows best. We trust we so we begin to trust, we let God define reality. We let God define our identity. Our culture says that we're nothing but sexual beings. Isn't it funny that we, more and more in our culture, we label ourselves as just gay or straight? Who told you that that's your fundamental identity? Not God. 
God says you're much more than your sexual desires. You, you, let, you let God tell you who you are in your nature. Uh, we trust God. We trust what He says about spirituality. We trust what He says about sexuality. We trust what He says about our feelings. We trust what He says about the philosophy of life and worldview. We trust that He is right when He tells us how to manage our finances for His glory. We trust what He says about relationships and marriage and families and friendships. We let God define marriage, not the, not the government. Not any other human institution. God defines. We let God define reality. No matter how we feel, no matter what we want, if we're trusting God, we defer to Him. We defer to Him. We trust what He says about creation. We trust what He says about the purpose of life. And so we acknowledge Him. Him as the one who has the, the right to rule and over all our ways, in every aspect of our life, in our business, in our recreation, in our marriage, in our family, in our worship, in our ethics, in all our ways, in every realm of life. And so I recommend that you go with God here because He's given us an incentive to do so. Look at, look at verse 6, the last part. We trust in the Lord with all of our heart. And do not lean on our own understanding. If we think about Him in all our ways, if we acknowledge Him in all our ways, verse 6 says, He will guide you on the right paths. There's a great incentive to go with God here, to trust God, to learn to do so. He will make your path straight. Now, we don't follow Jesus because it works. We follow Jesus because He's true. But now that being said, nothing works better than doing life together with God His way in this world. He will make your path straight. Uh, the Bible describes life as a path that we walk. Remember, one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. He will make your path straight. He will make your path straight. He will make your path straight. And so uh, he will get guide us on the right paths. Dr. S Dr. Stephen Alford was a, um, a man, a, a pastor, great minister, great teacher of the Scriptures, very influential. And actually, he was one of the men who influenced me in my, the, in my teaching ministry when I was in seminary training for the ministry. Let me tell you about him. He was raised in Africa, the son of missionary parents. He was a brilliant kid, brilliant boy, who decided that he wanted to pursue a course in engineering. And so he went away to one of the finest schools in all the world where he received the equivalent of, of a 4.0 in his studies. His plan was to become successful and to have leisure and to accumulate nice things that money could buy and much wealth, and with his wealth, that in his spare time he could help the missionaries and the Word of God on the side. Seemed like a splendid plan to him, certainly nothing sinful about that. But he says in his own writings that unfortunately he conceived of that plan of his own mind without consultation with God whatsoever. It was all set, but then one day he became deathly sick as a young man. As he was finishing school, he went to the doctor, was put to bed, and the doctor came to him with a diagnosis and he said gravely, young man, in two weeks you will be dead. Well, his life just caved in around him. 
And while he was in that hospital bed, he received a letter from his missionary father on another continent. The letter came. Uh, There was a time lag in the mail delivery from overseas, so his father did not know yet of his physical condition. And in the letter, his dad wrote these touching words. You may have heard these in another context. A little poem. Here's how he closed out his letter to his son, Stephen. You ready? Listen to this. I think it's going to be on the screen. Yeah, here it is. His one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And in the stillness of that room, Stephen Alford wrote these about, he, he bowed his head and he prayed a brief prayer. And here's, the, here's his prayer on the screen. Anytime, anywhere, anytime, any cost. Yeah, bring that up on the screen, guys. Next slide. There we go. Anytime, anywhere, anytime, any cost. He put on the wingsuit and he jumped off the cliff. Lord, I'm trusting in you. Whatever it is, I'm lying, I'm jumping into your arms my whole life, anywhere, anytime, any cost. I'm trusting in you with all my heart. And I want to ask you if you're willing to begin praying that prayer. So that's pretty big. I don't even know if I could know what all that means. I know. But would you be willing just to begin praying that prayer? Lord, I want to acknowledge you in all my ways. In all my ways. So let's pray together. And let's do that. Join me. Go and encourage you just from your own heart maybe to begin to repeat those words. Lord, anywhere, anytime, any cost, I'm trusting you. I will follow you. I will not trust in my own, lean on my own understanding. I want to acknowledge you in all my ways. Let you define reality. I want to trust what you say about every aspect of life. I give myself to you. I throw myself over the cliff into your arms anywhere, anytime, any cost. You pray and tell Him. Or are you afraid you can't trust Him? Well, if you're afraid, it's because you don't love Him. And if you don't love Him, it's because you don't know Him. You do not have to be afraid of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of the Bible. And so for some of you who've been examining the claims of Christ, something's going on in your heart inside of you that you might not recognize, and I want to brief, briefly get really clear with you. At Christmas time, the very first one, in Jesus Christ, God the Father did something for us that we could not do for ourselves. He left heaven and became a man yet was without sin. And He left that manger and grew to be a sinless man, showing us who God is and what He's like. And then He went innocently and died on the cross in our place. And when He did, God the Father somehow arranged for Him to take the burden of all of our sin upon Himself. Your sin, our sin, my sin. And He atoned for it fully. He paid the price fully. In full, satisfying His very own demands of justice so that we would not have to do so 
ourselves. And then he rose again. He resurrected, proving that he was who he claimed to be. God the Savior, proving that he does what he promises he'll do. That he has the power that he claimed to have, the power to forgive sins and redeem sinful people like me and cancel the debt of our sin and give us new and eternal life. Now, some of you are now ready for the very first time to say to God, I am ready. I'm ready. I got it. I understand for the first time. I'm ready to turn from my sin, to give up control of my life in eternity and place my active trust in Jesus to save me, to forgive me, to lead me, to give me the gift of new and eternal life. If you do that, you're about to be transformed by the amazing grace of Christ, given His Holy Spirit, and begin to live under His wonderful care and supervision. You're about to receive His gift of eternal life. And if that's you, if that's you for the very first time, you've never done that before, but you say, that's me, that right now I want to give my life to God through Jesus. I want to give myself to Him. I want to turn from my sin and submit control of my life and eternity to Jesus. Then I want to pray for you. So just nothing weird, nothing strange, but I want to know. Just lift up your hand all over the auditorium. If you're ready, that's you. You want to do that, raise your hand right where you are. There you go. I see you in, in the back. Who else? Yay. Way to go. Who else? Who else? Just going to pray for you. Leave it up till I see your hand. Anybody in the balcony? Okay. Yes. Yay, yay, yay. Great, bud. Wonderful. I just want to pray for you now, and I want to lead you through a prayer time. And brothers and sisters in Christ who've already done this, would you pray for these folks who want to come to faith in Christ? Just pray for them. Let me lead you through a prayer. And there's nothing special or magical about these words. God's more concerned with the attitude of your heart than He is the words of your mouth. But if this expresses the desire of your heart, make this your prayer. You repeat from your heart after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. In my place, I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of my life. And now make me the kind of person you want me to be. Thank you for saving me. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, would you celebrate with these folks? Would you? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Great news. Great news. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.